Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. The Viewpoint. Weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. Songhez on The Viewpoint. As far as I know, you're still president until, uh, until Friday. Honorable President, do you accept the nomination? Yes, I do accept the nomination. Please, uh, thank you. This nomination is in order. Is there any other nomination? Is there any other nomination? Well, Anything? No, no, it's all right. Okay. Very well. I, I was deliberately looking around because I was sent a message. I just wanted to make sure that uh, that message has been withdrawn. There are no further nominations. Only one candidate has been nominated, namely Honorable Cyril Matamela Ramaphosa. The nomination is in order, and in terms of item 5 of part A of schedule 3 to the Constitution, and I accordingly declare the Honorable Cyril Matamela Ramaphosa duly elected President of the Republic of South Africa.
We have a new president-elect on this, the 22nd day of May 2019. President Cyril Ramaphosa is now officially the president-elect of the great republic of South Africa. And my only wonder is, how does that at home make you feel? We're taking your calls on 891 Something a little unconventional, we want your thoughts. That's the raw exchanges that were taking place earlier on this evening in Parliament, where the Chief Justice, Justice Mohueng Mohueng, presided over proceedings. Somewhat a little bit unconventional, but nonetheless well-received, it appears, from the public as well as from the members of Parliament, and no less among those members, Akhbara Peter Grunewald, as well as the President himself, President Ramaphosa, making specific references to how the Chief Justice handled the proceedings, particularly that prayer. It's not usual that you have a three-minute session whereby parliamentarians observe a moment's silence to pray to their respective gods. Justice Mohueng Mohueng asked for three minutes. He knelt at the podium right there where the speaker sits, and he gave his offering to the nation, or rather the offerings of the nation, to his Lord. And perhaps you might just want to give us an expression as to what you thought about that. Is there anything about today's proceedings that made an impression on you, anything that touched you in particular? Who's the standout parliamentarian that you like? Who are you happy is there? DA dropping five seats. EFF winning 19 seats. Freedom Front Plus winning a couple of seats. UDM dropping a couple of seats, IFP getting a couple of seats. Auntie Pat DeLille is back in Parliament, not one but two seats for her ANC dropping 19-6. So, ladies and gentlemen, at 20 past 10, unconventional as it is, but necessary nonetheless, 891 do give us your call, give us your expressions as to what you make of today. And to join us and who's going to be commentating with us as we move along the views and thoughts of those at home, None less than Professor Soma Dodafigeni, who's a political analyst and housed at the University of South Africa, UNISA, right here in Pretoria. We're talking about the sixth administration. It is now officially set, at least half of it, because tomorrow is the National Council of Provinces, the other house of the National Parliament. Parliament, remember, is constituted of two houses, the National Assembly. They are now set. The wheels are in motion for them to do their business, but they have to wait for their brothers or sisters at the National Council of Provinces. Nonetheless, Professor Somato, if you get him, good evening. Welcome. Good evening and greetings to your listeners. What happened today? Let's talk about everything that everybody's talking about. Didi Mabuza, suddenly unavailable. Gigaba, suddenly unavailable. Mamambete, suddenly unavailable. <laughs> well, I do think that reasons may differ from one person to the other. But, but nonetheless, what, what does it signal? What does it signal? What does it tell us? It tells us that up to the last moment, ANC leadership has been involved in quite an intense behind-the-scenes negotiations. And once people became aware of their fate, they then made an informed decision. They might also have been reading the public reaction to some of the names and the persons who have always been embraced by allegations of corruption or impropriety of one kind or another. Mm. So to that extent, there is also the consideration of who goes back to Lutuliaus, how it is strengthened, how the different factions are marking each other, uh, and so forth. So all those factors will have taken place to shape the outcome. One such example, for example, 
if Balegambete was not going to get a position as a deputy president or even as a minister, it would have been inconceivable for her to go back either to chair a committee of parliament over which she had presided or even to be a a backbencher. That would have affected also her package, which was that of having been a deputy president now having been a speaker. Not necessarily, not necessarily. President Khalima Motlante served for free in his second term because he was on the presidential package, because he was a president before he became a deputy president. So they could have reached the same agreement. She should be on a deputy president's salary and just serving for free. It wouldn't really affect her benefits. Uh, Remember that when you are serving in those particular roles, you cannot take every other thing, especially when, for example, uh, you know, the former deputy president, Umslem Lambonuka, there were issues Mm. when she tried to negotiate. But now that you are taking the other role, you will forfeit many of the things that otherwise would have been provided for you. Isn't that different because of the cross-border issues? mm -hmm. Isn't that different because she's serving in another country altogether at another multilateral institution in New York, in the U.S.? Yeah, but it's remember a domestic that issue. If you go back to the conditions, they do not make necessarily a distinction. They say if you are gainfully employed again sure, sure. in another role. So remember, there were tensions even then that she could not retain these packs. So I do think that those are some of the things which might have... I don't want to say they were the only considerations. Sure. In South Africa generally, unlike in other countries, once you're in a higher position, people find it very difficult to go back to your same organization at a lower level. Whereas elsewhere, I've seen people who are vice chancellors or presidents of universities, when they finish their term, they go to their department and just teach different framing altogether, different culture altogether. We're in conversation with <laughs> Professor Somad Figeni, who's a policy and political analyst at the University of South Africa. And I would implore you to give us a shout. Let's have a national debate. I'm trying to spur him on here by just playing devil's advocate with a couple of questions, but I'm sure I cannot do a better job than you who sits at home, who's watching, who's listening. Older, more experienced than I am, probably has been to Parliament, probably had parliamentary ambitions, but you were one name too short or too late on the parliamentary list. What are your thoughts? What did you think when you were seeing your comrades and colleagues taking their oath of office in the National Assembly today. It's 16 minutes past. The number to call is 891 Voice notes, please. Drop the, drop us a voice note on 614 104107 what do you make of the Chief yeah. Justice and how he has presided over these um, nominations and as well as the swearing-in? Even his interlude at the very beginning, he made a speech which... Not necessarily is uncharacteristic of him, but uncharacteristic of the proceedings, given the fact that your Pius Langas wouldn't have done this, your Arthur Chaskalsons wouldn't have done this, and just quickly implore the members of the National Assembly why it is that they are there. What do you make of that, and what does it do for the National Assembly to have a Chief Justice say those kinds of things? Well, I do think that after the watershed Nkanda judgment, combining that with his strong religious beliefs, Mm. He seemed to have taken on an activist advocacy 
role for ethical leadership. And that, in every other public speech he has made, has become obvious. So here you might even say it's an assertive but also a desperate call for political leaders to go back and be more serious, more spiritual about their calling or undertaking as leaders. So this is in line with his public utterances, the speeches. You might have seen him throughout that he has been giving interviews. It might be showing anxiety about the country, anxiety about political leaders and how they take their role. Is it his place? Uh, Remember that if you are a leader in society and you end up having to deal with these matters, it might as well be that you'd say it is everybody's business to be concerned. Of course, that has to be done with great care, not to preempt, prejudge some of the allegations or cases that may end up before you. Let's talk about the fact that the Chief Justice, first of all, does not have a spokesperson. A lot of these utterances are clearly directed to the political landscape, and he does make reference from time to time to the business sector, but largely it can be interpreted to be directed towards those in public office. And well and good, he is a leader. Society does look up to the Chief Justice. But might it not traverse issues, even as it might appear, on separation of powers, delving into an arena, political arena, that is not the province and should not be the province and in fact isn't the constitutional province of the judiciary. How does this lend itself or offend, might one say, the relationship between the executive, the legislature and the judiciary? Could it offend? For now, not. But there are some checks and balances for judicial overreach. We've seen instances where Chief Justice was in the minority in the Constitutional Court itself over some of the judgments. So that independence of individual judges not to be swayed by Chief Justice is a critical component even within the judiciary itself. Sure, no, there's no dispute within the judiciary. The question is, as it pertains to the other spheres of government. Well, to me, really, I don't think if the Speaker of Parliament were to say the executive should do the right thing and good people should be appointed there, it would be seen as an overreach into the executive. Because that's what the Constitution says. Nor do I think if the executive was saying the judiciary should stay on its lane if there was any indication of it encroaching on the other powers. Because that's what the Constitution says. Similarly, the judiciary, which increasingly has had to deal with sometimes petty political issues yes, yes, which are sent to courts all the time. I agree. does realize that you could have a judicial fatigue because of the failure of leadership. 
So it is in their interest to encourage that leaders should provide ethical leadership because now you find a branch meeting, somebody is not elected, it goes to court. And that in itself is overburdening the very cases that would be dealing with sex or gender-based violence, some serious crimes and other things. Because these political cases are always served on an urgent basis. Let's talk about 2000, I think it was 2006 or 2005, his former deputy, Deputy Chief Justice Dikrang Moseneke, talking about the fact that the judiciary owes its obligations only to the Constitution. That was not well received. But now we have a situation where pretty much more of the same is happening. And by contrast, it seems to be winning the public applause. Even some political sectors who were loud then are not so forthcoming with those loud voices now. Where is the difference in the approaches adopted by former Deputy Chief Justice Dikrang Moseneke to that which is now being employed by the incumbent Chief Justice? It's the political timing and the political context of the time. The country was going through a political rupture within a ruling party, which spread into government. And any statement, especially by public figures, remember Royal Cause are even speaking as the head of NetBank, he was roasted for even commenting. Remember the hostility between business and government. So the context then was to coin everything as a giant blood conspiracy whenever anyone uttered any word. But fast forward a decade later, the economy has almost collapsed, unemployment risen, there are blackouts and everything. People now can associate some of misgovernance, corruption, Mm. with the harm to public good. So people are a lot more receptive to the words of such individuals, just like the civil society has reawoken. At that time, it was generally not there. So people have learned their lessons. The same with the HIV-AIDS before 2005, that you had voices which were muted when they ought to have raised, uh, you know, their voices to say, here is a calamity. You can't play politics even if you have misgivings about approaches and other okay. things. We're in conversation with Professor Somadota Figeni. We're opening the lines again now, 891 New members, as co- of course, as you know, were sworn in today. The new speaker was elected, Mama Tandimodisa, the president-elect, President Ramaphosa, and the deputy speaker, Ndadele Chisatsenodi. They were all elected. We know who they are now. That's the National Assembly. Leading up to this day, though, there were some withdrawals from certain members of parliament designate, no less among them, the current deputy president, Didi Mabuza. What do you make of this? What are our parliamentarians like? What are your thoughts on them? Who are your leaders? Tell us your thoughts on your leaders. Professor Somatotofigeni is here to analyze what
whatever your thoughts on comments are. And we're going to be joined later on in studio by one of those parliamentarians who's a very young man from the DA, Mr. Luyo Lompiti. We're going to try and get through to him right now. I understand his family and him are enjoying a lovely dinner somewhere in the Cape because he's from this part of the world, Johannesburg. The sea is a novelty, at least for him. It will not be because now he's going to be right there in Parliament getting down to the business of the day. By the way, it's a joke. He's been to the sea many times. Relax, everybody. Your thoughts, your comments, please. 0891 Professor Figeni Didimabuza, specifically, let's just focus our attention on the incumbent deputy president. The ethics committee of the ANC is effectively not endorsing him. And it seems to date they have won because Didimabuza is not a member of parliament for the sixth administration. Is he seeing out his term as deputy president? And is it just going to be a backbencher of the party or assigned to remain at Lutuli House? Well, there are different scenarios that are coming out. Some are saying health reasons. He decided to take on something less stressful. Others are saying perhaps the fact that Ace Mahashule, Jesse Duarte, and now Nomvula Mongonyane are retreating into consolidating themselves in Lutuli House would need another senior member of the top six to go neutralize that situation. Others are saying going back to build the ANC, quite a noble idea. Of course, the one prominent one is the one of the ethics committee which uh, flagged the issue of his ethical conducts or dealings before. And uh, that has been presented as the main reason. But one would also assume that there was a lot of pressure from women to say we would like to see a woman being a deputy president mm. of the country. And perhaps that woman might even be Ngosa Zanalameni Zuma, which may explain the utterance by Watable Lameni saying we will not contest Cyril Ramaphosa in 2021, we must focus on building. If concessions have been made of that nature, then they would be happy to say let's move forward with that kind of arrangement. Tata, let's have a conversation about this now. We have a deputy president who is effectively 70. You're talking about Mamad Lamini Zuma is older than him. We had a yes. nanogenarian being sworn in today chasing 91. Mm -hmm. There are many others who are in their 70s. This young gentleman, Mr. Leolompit, he's 26. How possible is it really and how effective really is it having a colleague who's 60-odd plus years older than you? What, what sense does it make to have so many people who are clearly beyond their best years still serving in a young economy that has got challenges that are faced largely by young people? Well, I do think that in an ideal situation, you ought to have had younger leaders, as you are seeing in Canada, in Denmark, in uh, across Europe, France, and so forth, leaders in their late 30s and early uh, 40s. You've seen the same younger leader in Ethiopia more recently also taking quite drastic steps. So it is very important also because bulk of problems, unemployment, violent crime, education crisis and so forth, preparation for fourth industrial revolution, mainly in the ambit of the young people who are affecting the young people more than they affect the rest of us. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, though, as we do that, 
we should not forget that the best formula is not to say let this one generation move for the other, but rather what is a creative mix in which case you have an intergenerational dialogue, one taking some cue from the other. And uh, not only that, the gender balance and many other factors that you can take in. So it is very important that organizations such as the ANC, the IFP, and so forth, which are generally older, should begin to reflect on that particular matter. However, when I was talking about Ngosas and Alamene Zuma being one of possibilities, I wasn't talking of succession in 2024. I was simply saying the holding position now in terms of trying to unite the ANC might be one of the considerations. Yeah, no, I accept that. I really do accept that. But I just wanted to actually have an honest and open discussion without offending personalities, but getting to grips with the reality of the world and its trajectory. We need younger people because the world is getting younger. The challenges that are faced by young people are far greater than those faced by those who have had their time. But nonetheless, let's hear what Billy from Pickettburg in the Western Cape has to say, as well as Michael from Fixburg. Stay on the line, please, Professor. Billy. Hello. Good evening, good evening to your viewers. Hola, hola. Listeners. Hello. Shoot, brother. Yes. I hope this is the new dawn. I want to congr- congratulate the president on his election as for the next uh, five years. I hope this is the, will be the new dawn we're all waiting for. I hope this will be the new dawn for our rural uh, people, for farm workers especially, because as we speak now, there's still uh, uh, people sitting outside in power who've been evicted. We're still waiting for a meeting with the president for long. And I hope this will be the new dawn for our rural businesses, for our rural youth, for rural people living with disabilities and women also. And we hope that the president will surround him with people, with, with ethical leadership. Because there's a quote from Mawaii Kabaki that says that leadership is a privilege to better the lives of others. It is not an opportunity for self-greed. And therefore, I really think that the president will, will, will think... Clear, I will think uh, 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 clear and will choose leaders that will yeah, being, uh, um, take us on a new uh, path, a new dawn for, for a better future for all of us in South Africa. And I hope that we will be hard workers, ministers and people that will uh, take his hand and will work and will serve our people to the uh, best of, 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 of their knowledge and so on. We hope for the same thing. Thank you so much, Billy, calling us from the Western Cape, Picketburg, specifically from Fixburg. Now we go through to Michael. Good evening, Michael. Uh, good evening. Yes, sir. Your contributions, please. Yeah, uh, songs. Peter. Listen, uh, I concur with the professor there. About? Uh, regarding, uh, regarding the Chief Justice. Yes. Remember, the Chief Justice is a citizen first, and then Chief Justice by employment. Yes, yes. Hence, he did. He, he did cast his vote. So he's a concerned citizen, just like me and you. Mm-hmm. Hence, the advice. Now, my second point is, okay, here, this one is just my wish. I wish, since uh, the, the, the former deputy president uh, did not show up today, then... My wish is to have Tulima Tonzela as 
our deputy president. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Michael. You're allowed to wish, but I can almost guarantee you that will not happen, not in the current political framework. Nonetheless, Professor Somato, do you want to respond to those callers, please? Well, I would like to start by saying the issue of infusion of younger blood is actually a generally accepted principle. But of course, we must hasten to say that should not be a function of a birth certificate. I was born after this year, therefore I should. Mm-hmm. It should be the combination of demonstrable competencies, expertise, and talent. And sometimes even some degree of experience, no matter how limited that might be, because you find that in some instances, you find younger people demanding that I should be put in. Why? Because I'm young. It should not just be that. Even countries which are fielding more younger people, they look for excellence. They look for certain kinds of attributes. So I just want to emphasize that. But uh, on the Chief Justice issue, I think uh, the caller has uh, reinforced the position. Absolutely. He's spot on. Dr. Figeni, thank you so much. Siabulela, umamumbalo owa yefundisa umama ufigeni uyabulisa utimandu kashele. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was Professor Soma Dodafigeni, who is at the University of South Africa as policy and political analyst. We're going to have to take a quick ad break now before we go through to our rising star in political circles in the House under the DAU membership card, Mr. Liolom Piti. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. It's 2034. On the viewpoint. 0891-104-207. What's a voice note? 0614-104-107. I beg your pardon. I'll repeat that. 0614-104-107. We are joined by a 26-year-old Mr. Liolom Piti. And thank you so much, Lesejo, for correcting me. He's not the youngest, but he might very well have been the youngest. He's 26. What's the difference between 26 years of age and 23? Liolom Piti, good evening, sir. How are you? Mulweni Putin, Thank you so much, Let's talk about you, Bachelor of Arts in Political Sciences, International Relations and Law, Honours Degree in International Relations and Political Science, Witzwartesrand, reading currently for a Master's Degree in Public Administration, hold it. Ernest Oppenheimer Memorial Scholarship, Mellon May's Education, I mean, Mellon May's Undergraduate Fellowship, Mandela Rhodes Scholarship, Mandela Washington Fellowship, hold it. Mail and Guardian Top 200 Young South Africans. Avance Media as one of 100 most influential young South Africans in 2017 in politics. That is some pedigree, only at 26. This is precisely what we're talking about when we want to send young, erudite, exposed and diligent servants. Liol. My brother, I'm, 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 I'm deeply humbled, deeply humbled. I think it's been, it's been quite a journey uh, to get to this point and to, to be able to to stand and be sworn in today was truly a, a, a remarkable moment, not only for myself, but Umama, 
who has walked this journey with me since being young, raising me in a back room while he lived with four other people, for her to sit there in the gallery and look at her son, knowing that we are fighting for those many kids who are in the suburbs, who are living in the back rooms, in the domestic, who are, who are domestic mothers as their parents. So I think that was the moment that we had today. What drives you? I understand your circumstances are clearly fueling you, but now that you are there, now that you've had an opportunity on Monday and Tuesday to take it all in before it happened today, and now that you've had dinner and the food is settling in nicely, when you go back to Parliament, what are you thinking is going to drive you? You heard the President, you heard the political party leaders there, you heard the Chief Justice there, and I'm sure you've been following the social media, and everybody is congratulating you. Now, once all of that has died down and the business of Parliament gets going, what is Luyolo's priority and what does he want to achieve in these five years that are coming? I think the, the, the strong sense that I got today was that the battle that we are fighting as young people, particularly when it comes to employment, is at the center of my agenda, particularly in the sixth Parliament. And what is important here is that um, and correctly pointed out by the president when he spoke today, as well as as, as, as Musi Maimane as well, he said that there's 10 million people without jobs. Majority of those people are young people. And if you mm. go deeper into the analysis of that statistic, you find that it's young people who who have had access to tertiary institutions who are unemployed in this country. So indeed, for me, as a young person who is entering this space, it goes without saying that jobs is one of the key factors that we need to be fighting for. We need to be thinking innovatively in how we address the fact that young people are unable to find jobs in this country. It cannot be normal that the majority of young people are outside of the economy, are not participants of the economy. So we need to center the economy at the forefront of the conversation when it comes to young people. But not only that, we need to look at innovation. And, and ideas. Mm. And I think this is a very clear message that came out from the contributions that were made by political leaders uh, in congratulating the president, is to say that we need uh, our government, particularly in the executive, to look at ideas that have not been done before. We can't keep doing the same things, expecting different results. So how do we you know, inculcate a mindset within these conversations that are happening around the country. You look at the job summit that happened last year where, you know, young people did not form part of that space. So I think the most important thing for me that I decided upon um, yesterday before entering today and being sworn in today is that we Mm. need to center jobs as the key fundamental conversation taking place in Parliament. Finally, how far is Mama from you right now as we have this conversation? Umama is right next to me, actually. Okay, Mama. Mama. Hello. Molo, Mama, how are you? Mama, this is just a short note from all of us in this country more particularly those who are for young people who want democracy to thrive and to function and who want to see young people develop, to congratulate you on a job well done in raising not only a young diligent scholar, but also a young man who is filled with passion to serve. We thank you so much. Indeed, you are in Bogodo.
Thank you so much, Mama. That is Mama to me, Mama to many of my generation, but no less Mama to Luyolompiti, 26 years old, a member of the Democratic Alliance destined for Parliament. He was sworn in today, and we have lots to look forward to in that regard. We're going to play out now with a couple of clips from what happened earlier today. Stay tuned. I want to say from our party and from me personally, I wish you great success. And I wish to say to you that when the decisions that you take are for the interests of our nations and for the people of this country, we will be the first ones to support you. Comrade President, we congratulate you and we hope that you will be a president of a corrupt free government and you will not subject yourself to views of factionalism. There are people who thrive through patronizing presidents. They tell you all you want to hear. And as a result, you are unable to make informed decisions because you surrender yourself with praise singers. And yes, men and yes, women. I've seen young men and women from the benches of the ANC. Maybe it is time to consider them so that they can come to you with fresh ideas, with new ideas, and if they don't like positions, they will be able to be honest with you. You need someone who's going to be honest with you. The position you occupy needs someone who's going to be honest with you because those who failed were told many a times that they are right even when they were wrong. All the best, President. We are here. We are watching you and will continue to engage you openly, not in secret. Thank you. I consider it, Madam Speaker, to be a privilege for me to congratulate His Excellency, our elected President of the Republic. On behalf of the Inkara Freedom Party, I wish you strength, I wish you wisdom, and I wish you support. As the oldest member of this August House, it is my prerogative to speak about the past. I have served my country for more than 60 years and have witnessed the leadership of J.G. Stradom, H.F. Fervoort, B.J. Foster, Maria F. Leon, P.W. Porter, and President F.W. T. Clerk. And I had the privilege of serving this country, Your Excellency, under our President, Mr. Mandela, and also our President, Mr. Mpeg. I've entered this house alongside these great sons of the soil. In all these years, I've seen our country at crossroads more than once, and I've come to recognize the leadership it takes to navigate South Africa safely to the right path. Undoubtedly, we stand now at the crossroads again, desperate to move away from the shadows of corruption towards the light of growth investment, unity, and justice. It will take a unique leader to navigate this course. Such leader deserves support from among his own ranks, as well as from us in the opposition branches. We're not here to overlook mistakes or to turn a blind eye to wrongs, but we're here to secure the best interests of our country. If you are serving the best interests of our country, Your Excellency, I can assure you of, of a our support. 
if you do the right thing for South Africa, I would always do that. This is the kind of constructive opposition we've tried to give to this House. History has chosen President Mposa for the present task. May he be the leader that our country needs at this crucial time. I thank you, Madam Speaker. That was the immediate, or at least the immediate speaker, was the leader of the IFP, Tata Mangosutu Butelezi, Shengem Danoka Pindangene.